Tighten up those laces, straighten that headband. It is time for CHGO Marathon, a podcast about the culture, community, and challenge surrounding one of the world's greatest races. CHGO Marathon is brought to you by Goose Island, the official beer of CHGO Sports, and the beer you'll be drinking when you cross that finish line on October 8th. If you're coming to Chicago for the race, check out one of their Chicago locations at gooseisland.com forward slash locations. What's up, everyone? I'm Kev. I'm Kevin Kada, head of content at CHGO and a first-time entrant in the Chicago Marathon. We've been having a great string of guests lately, and today we are joined by former Chicago Cubs pitcher Ryan Dempster. He just finished the Boston Marathon in 2023, and I thought it would be a great, uh, a great opportunity to bring him in to talk about, you know, running a marathon. Our great friend Lorraine Fisher connected us, and uh, now you're here, Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, uh, not much. I'm just uh, still recovering from that April marathon. Um, just uh, you know, give you a little bit of motivation. <laughs> but uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, so I thought it was a great fit because you know you're in your mid 40s. I'm in my mid 40s. You just did your first marathon. I'm about to do my first marathon, so I thought you could give me some advice. I when I was doing research for this, though, I think you appeared on MLB Network. Of course, you work for MLB Network and Marquee Network. Um, and you said right – I think right as it, after it happened, you were never running one again. Uh, a couple <laughs> months later, is that true? You know what's funny? I think it's like having a kid. You know, like when you have a <laughs> child, you're like, I'm never doing that again. But then you get further away from it, and your wife forgets about labor, and you forget about the sleepless nights, and – you start to really just enjoy what it gave you. And, and so I'm not saying never, because because as time has gone, I've healed my wounds and um, I can stand up straight again. And um, and I just was like, oh, you know, in the moment, that's how I felt. I was that sore. I was that uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it hit me that hard afterwards. Mind you, I was doing a live television show about an hour and 20 minutes after I finished the marathon. So recovery was not at its optimal point then. Yeah. They, I, I remember they showed you kind of stumbling towards the dugout, and you could barely get down the dugout stairs to do your your live hit. It was that bad. Yeah, it, it really was. Well, you know, when you get done, and and the the kicker was too was I didn't finish the race um, the last six miles. I'd say the last five miles, like I wanted to, just because of cramp issues. I had yeah. both hamstrings were cramping at the top, right up on my glutes, and I. If I, if I tried to run hard at all, um, they just seized up on me. So I kind of had this slow gait for the last little bit. And, yeah. and so then when you get done, everything starts to set in. I'm trying to pound fluids and, you know, uh, salt tablets and anything I can. And it's just slowly creeping worse and worse. And yeah. then trying to get dugout, down dugout steps, it was really difficult. But, uh, yeah, we, we made it through it. You had a horrid weather day too, right? Yeah, but, you know, surprisingly enough, like we had this call for rain and it rained all morning from the moment, you know, I left the hotel to go get on the bus to get out there. Um, mm-hmm. It was raining on the whole drive out. Uh, it was raining while we were there, you know, waiting to go. We were in the gymnasium out by the starting line. And um, and, and then as we got down towards uh, the start, um, it actually opened up a little because I didn't start right when, you know, like you get all the pros go off and the people are actually going to win the race go off. Right. Um so I, I, I kind of actually hit this pocket of window where it was, <coughs> excuse me, oh, uh, pocket window where, you know, 
I had nice, decent overcast weather. Like I didn't want something really hot. Mm-hmm. At times I had a light drizzle. At times it rained a little bit on us, but kind of felt nice. You're running for that long to have a, a warm shower to run through. Nice. Well, you finished in uh, four hours, 42 minutes and 11 seconds. I mean, that's a really great time. If I finish with that, I, I mean, I'm kind of in that neighborhood right now. I'm projecting to that, but I mean, that's a really great time for, for your first time marathon. So congratulations on Thanks. that. Yeah, yeah so, I, I wanted I wanted better. Four thirty or under was my goal, and I I came up a little short. So that's why yeah. there was also that little guy standing on my shoulder going, "Would you like <laughs> to do this one more time, Ryan? Better that time." And I'm kind of like, "Yeah." There's there's plenty of time. So um, I, I kind of want to get into the whole process of how you ended up in the um, Boston Marathon. But I think one of the things people may not realize is that you were the starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox the day of the the 2013 bombing. Um, was that kind of the impetus for, for some of this or? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think had a, had that not all happened, I don't know where that season would have went in 2013. I would like to still believe we won the world series, but, um, you know, it, it really was, uh, an emotional day in my mind. Like I remember the start and first of all, it started with, a phone, a text message from um, one of our clubhouse guys saying, "Hey, remember, it's an early start. We start the game at like eleven thirty on Patriots Day." Yeah, and it, and I'd never started a game at that time, not since like the Gulf Coast League when I was eighteen years old and down in extended spring training, and I started that early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, "Oh, I got to get over there." So I get over there, start the game, have a good game. We play Tampa Bay. We're on the bus after the game. Um, going to the airport it's getaway day we just beat tampa bay david price was texting big poppy about pimping home runs off of him, and it didn't look very good and they're arguing and we always had this police motorcade like 12 officers on uh motorcycles kind of getting through town because you know after a Sox game and on these three big buses and the red Sox were leaving they kind of moved us through traffic and we pulled yeah. up to a light and all of a sudden they just went whoop, 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 gone and everybody oh, was like what you. just happened yeah, and like you gotta remember, this is 2013, so like Twitter was just sort of taken off, right? As far as media accessibility, and then you also had like what was the real media? So Will Middlebrooks was a young player on our team, and he's like, "There's a bombing downtown," and then it's like, "There's a bombing at the Prudential Center," and then there's a bombing at the Marathon. Like all these different tweets were coming in, and we're like, "Is the town getting bombed right now?" Like we didn't know we're on a Greyhound bus, and we're looking out windows and trying to find what's going on, and. They got us to the airport. We were getting ready to get on the plane. They were loading bags like crazy. And my wife was at the airport. Um, My wife now, at the time, we were um, my girlfriend. And um, she was flying to Chicago. And she's back home. And she's like, what do I do? I said, I know that they're getting us out of town. So I don't think this is an air threat. This is a ground threat. Mm -hmm. If they're going to let you go, go. Um, And then we got on a plane. And we got out. We still didn't know what was happening. Because now you're on a plane. Yeah. Um, and, And, you know, the pilots don't know much. And. So we got to a point where we uh, landed in Cleveland and kind of figured out everything that was happening and then, you know, kind of just the rest of the season just playing out. But that day, you know, you know, as my even just my own self just sitting there like on the airplane and like, did I just start the last game of the year for the Red Sox? Like, yeah. was, that the, was that the last game of our season? What's it going to look like when we get back there? We don't know what's going on. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was a crazy emotional roller coaster of unknowns and right. fear and all kinds of stuff and it did i mean obviously didn't really just end there because obviously you guys did win the world series that year and i i think even 
as evidenced by you ran it this year and then then Brock Holtz also ran it with you. Yeah. Um, it's still a part of, obviously it's still part of Boston, Boston Marathon, but also people who were just Boston Red Sox that year, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that, you know, that moment is as much tragedy as there was. We eventually, you know, throughout the season, um, use it as motivation and turn it into triumph, you know, and, and helped families for a moment that'll never heal from that. Um, mm-hmm. Just for a moment, have some smiles on their face or appreciation throughout the season, the amount of people that were involved in the bombing, people who lost legs in the bombing and people who lost family members were, were part of our team. They were throwing out first pitches and coming back on a regular basis in the Boston strong, um, you know, stuff with Johnny Gomes at second base, flexing after the big base hit and all these different right. moments that took place. Um, it, it was more than just a season for us. It was a connection with the city like nothing I'd ever kind of experienced. I think, you know, all of our backs against the wall, everybody hiding inside. Um, and then so when that happened and then you're done and you win a world as time goes on, I, you know, I'd always had this in the back of my head thing of I want to run a marathon. And as we got closer to 10 years, I was like, man, you know, I don't know how this works. I got to qualify and all these kind of things. And um, I wasn't really jonesing about qualifying for a marathon. I'm not going to lie. And then it just, it kind of took place. And I called the Red Sox and say, I would like to run for, you know, uh, somebody that was affected, you know, dearly during that bombing. And that's when Ling Z Luke, her name came up and the Ling Z Foundation and Mm -hmm. just kind of, um, you know, just went through that of how we can help, uh, you know, through continuing to keep a, a name and a legacy alive. Um, she's a really special young girl who unfortunately, because of, you know, some terrible things that happened that day lost her life. And so it was, yeah. it was a real humbling experience for me to run in her honor and her name. And, um, and, and, and then along the way, just, uh, yeah, it, doing that whole experience, running that marathon. I know they're special everywhere. That was, that was something else. You don't run that marathon in Boston without all the people there. So it was right. almost kind of tied it, brought it all back together and tied it all back together. And cause I'll never forget either of those days. I won't forget, you know, April 15th of 2013. I won't forget mm-hmm. that season. And I won't forget the day I ran the marathon. Um, it was, it was all pretty special. For sure. So like, as you mentioned, you ran for team Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Liu was a Boston university grad student who did lose life that day. Uh, you helped raise as part of the team one hundred and ten thousand dollars in twenty twenty three, which is uh, very cool. So um, let's just kind of just talk it. Like you mentioned, it was kind of like a bucket list item for you. I think it's kind of the same for me. I've always watched the Chicago Marathon and, and wanted to enter it. Um, ran shorter distances, never done the twenty six miles, but I always knew that I could do it, and I eventually worked towards that. Like, when did you like? Have you always been a runner, or did you just start? post-retirement like how did that work yeah actually kind of the uh, yeah I was always a runner um mm-hmm. like I ran even all the way back to elementary school I was in track meets and I would run you know 1500 meter and stuff like that and then in high school same thing and then as baseball yeah. started really taking off I, I valued the importance of running as a starting pitcher whether that was running poles you know from pole to pole in the outfield or after every start the day after every start I would run Mm-hmm. whether that was leave the hotel, usually leave the ballpark. I would go to the ballpark, change into my, you know, get there early, you know, six, seven hours before the game, throw on shorts and a t-shirt and run. And I yeah. pretty much have a route in every major league city from each ballpark of where you could go 
um, whether that's finding an awesome path along the river in Pittsburgh to, you know, running from the stadium down to the pier in San Francisco. You know, one day I ran across the Golden Gate Bridge and back, like just whatever mm. I could do to, to sweat out. It was a process. It was twofold. One, go through my start the night before mentally and then be just all the lactic acid build up in my in my shoulder yeah. and elbow that I was trying to flush. So always a runner. Um, never really big, crazy distances, though. Like, I think my longest run was probably from my grandparents home back to our my parents home in my hometown i think it's like mm-hmm. i want to say it's like 12 miles or something like that not super far um did that one day and so yeah and then when i got done and retired i never ran i just kind of took running off i just was like yeah. okay i'm good started biking a lot and got into biking um and then obviously switched back when i started to try to train mm-hmm. for the marathon <laughs> yeah because i was gonna say like it doesn't seem like you know covering a clubhouse it doesn't seem like there's a lot of distance runners in there it's not obviously being a pitcher in major league baseball is enough of a time commitment no one's signing up for a two-hour you know 14 or 15 mile run um am i right in that like did you ever come across any distance runners in your time in the major leagues a a couple guys we had a guy with the marlins a guy named jesus sanchez who was one of our young starters in the late 90s with us um with kind of the Mm -hmm. group that we had down there and he was like he could run for days. So I actually remember one off season was probably the most I ran because every spring training, we'd run these laps of the field. Yeah. Um, and no, it's not a, there's no competition, but there's competition, you know, it's like, <laughs> and here's like, you know, Sanchi's always like passing everybody. Right. So he's lapping dudes. And I just said, screw this. I'm going to figure this out. And I went into like high training of like six miles. Like I could run, I was running six miles in like easily like 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, you know, no, sorry, 36 minutes. I was doing six minute miles, like just cruising six minute miles and trying to get my last mile below that. I remember showing up to that spring training and we go that first lap thing and he's like looking at me because I'm like right behind him, you know, and he's like, you really going to run with me? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And I stuck with him the whole time. And he was like, it was awesome. <laughs> it was like, the, honestly, like kind of a cool bonding moment between him and I. And, you know, yes. everybody else is like, what got into Dempster, man? Why is he like now he's keeping up with Sanchez? So. It was, yeah, it was just something that you, de- but that was the exception. Definitely not the norm. Like position yeah, yeah. players are always like, well, you don't throw the ball to home plate. Why are you running? You know, like, <laughs> or you don't, you don't run the ball to home plate. Why are you running? Like, I'm like, I get it, but I want to stay healthy. So I'm going to keep running. Yeah. That South Florida running had to be, be something else. I, I don't understand how people would possibly train for a marathon in Florida, but they do. Um, yeah. You lose a few so, so you get into, you enter the 2023 Boston marathon. How did your training work out? How did it go? Like, did you feel great all the time? Did you love the process, um, hate it? Or? Yeah, I love parts of the process. It was really hard because, like, you know, I had started the training basically almost like right after or, you know, right near when my son was born. So that was my fifth kid. Yeah. So now I have five kids and dad responsibilities of five kids, and then I have job you know, jobs. I do a couple different things. Yeah. So it's like, you know, to carve out hours in a day to go running, like, Hey, hon, I know you got the baby and also our four-year-old. Oh, and the kids are going to come home from school. Can you just take care of all this while I go run for a few hours? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a daunting task to find it. So I just, I tried to carve out and I just tried to start to build up. I, you know, I was always comfortable with five, six miles. Like, you know, back to my training days of doing that, where that was just like sweet mm-hmm. spot of no problem. I could find time for that anytime then it was like the longer ones and building up um you know and stacking 
miles, you know, three, four days in a row of doing seven, eight, nine miles. Um, and then when you start to get into that half marathon stuff, that's when I really started to notice it. I was like, wow, half, when I start doing 13 a day, 14, it was like, I get pretty sore. Yeah. So then I was on the fence. I'm like, what do I do? Because I don't want to hurt myself during training and not do this marathon that I'm, I've set in my mind. So I kind of just told myself, I'm not going to run any more than that. And so my cap was the longest run I did one day. I did 16, but other than that, I did two, um, 14 mile runs and one half marathon. Wow. So you and never went any higher than that. No, it was a lot of tens. I, I wish I did looking back now after how I felt, um, yeah. towards the end of the race. Um, but that being said, I feel like if I would have tried that training, I would have done the same thing and it would have really set me back. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it was fun. One thing I did that, you know, I'd heard all this stuff about the hills and I'd ask people about the hills in Boston, you know, what are they like? Heartbreak Hill and all this stuff. So we have a place in Oregon, in, in mm-hmm. Bend, Oregon, and our, and our house is at like 4,000 feet. And when you go into the development, it has this nice, really steady incline that, you know, it takes you, I don't know, distance wise, I think it's like 0. 0.4 of a mile from the yeah. bottom to the top. So I would just run and then I'd jog back down. I'd run. I'd do these like three, four days a week. And I'd do, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 hills just over and over. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm running the marathon and I get into the hills, I actually was cramping up before the hills a little bit. Got a couple bananas in me and some water and then I started to feel better. And I got to the hills and I crushed the hills. Everybody. Like, <laughs> I nobody passed me on the hill. I passed everybody. Yeah. It was just like... Cause it felt great. Like a, I was training at a high altitude. B, I was sitting there crushing hills all the time. So these were like running on flat ground. Well, then I got to the top at Boston college and it was just like, Whoa, man, <laughs> dude, what is going on here? So if I could go back, I'd go a little slower on those hills and save some of that. That's, that's a good approach to take. I have like Chicago's a pretty flat course. So I have not really concerned myself with too many hills like i've run at the morton arboretum which is kind of a nice hilly course i mean hopefully yeah. that will increase my, my stamina but for me i, I, I kind of relate to that is you know you don't want to get hurt and there's a lot of mileage involved with this and there's just been a couple times uh whether it's i've been feeling sore just all right i'll, I'll take i'll take that day off and, and rest for the long run or obviously we've had a lot of like weather issues here in the midwest whether it's the you know canadian wildfire smoke um, you know, or just some of this extreme heat, just haven't been able to get out there. But, um, but like once you start doing these like bigger distances, distances, it just kind of blows my mind that you can go out there and yeah, I just ran 16 miles and just go about my day because there was a time in my life where if I had done 16 miles, I would have been destroyed for the next three or four days. But yeah. You know, I have family commitments too. Um, I don't have as quite a young kids as you. I have a seven and eight year old, but you can't just lay on the couch all day and, and say, I ran 16 miles and, and have your wife be okay with that. It's just not going to fly. Um, but that whole time commitment no, thing too, is like going out at, all right, I'm going to set out at 5 a.m. And like, you know, I could watch like Lord of the Rings in the time that I'm going to be away. Like this, yeah. that blows my mind. No, it is. It's a big time commitment. And I think, you know, I think the discipline of it all, like sometimes, you know, when I felt myself very like, kind of religious and how I was going about my routine was when I felt the best. It's when you get sporadic because you're like, oh, I got to get this in. Then you're feeling anxious. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't run like you were supposed to run. And, um, 
yeah, I think just staying committed to it, you know, almost prehabbing. I was trying to eat the best I could, you know, and yeah. take care of my body the best I could so that I would, you know, would recover. Um, and it was a tough weekend to do it too, because it was our 10 year reunion of, uh, you know, the, the world championship team. So now all like half over half of our team is there three quarters of our team. Yeah. And these guys are partying it up and having a good time. And I'm like over there with my club soda at dinner, like, Hey man, awesome. You guys are having fun again, huh? Right on. Just like the old times. And, uh, and it was, but it was good, you know, like even the night before actually the race, and, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world because it was amazing, but we all went to the Zach Brown concert. Mm-hmm. Um, they were having a charity event at Fenway park in this little MGM studio there, 5,000 people. So, you know, I'm, I'm at the end. I should have been laying down in my bed re- resting for the race, but um, it was all part of all of it. And that's why when I crossed the finish line, I got, you know, 12 teammates with their families and wives and kids all sitting up in the stands cheering me on. It was, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Very cool. So you were out late the night before. Late. Yeah. Too late. Yeah. 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 So I wasn't going to sleep anyways. It was like, I'm not going to sleep. No chance. Yeah. So take me through race day. Like what I, it's going to be a little bit of a different experience for me being a different, um, marathon and kind of different situation. You know, I was not, I'm not going to be parting with my world series teammates, but, um, was Zach Brown band. But like, what? Take me through the entire day. Like, what were you feeling? What you know? What What was the experience like? Yeah, I just remember I woke up. You know, before my alarm went off, I set my alarm pretty early, um, mm-hmm. six a.m. Um, we had to be on the bus to go down there. Uh, it was eight thirty um, for our time slot and everything. And I just went down to the hotel, down to the restaurant, just car loaded. Um, just try to get as much food in me as I could. I carb loaded the night before, so I just had, you know, tons of, tons of good food just to have as much fuel in my body as I could possibly get. Um, and then, and also, you know, enough that I'm doing it early enough that I'm giving my body enough time to not be lethargic when I started out. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then got down and I didn't know anybody on my team. There was no attachment to any team members. This was, um, you know, kind of everybody running and, uh, so I, got, I met them right before we got on the bus. We all got on the bus and then just rode out there. And you just start to feel that, you know, kind of adrenaline, just trying to load up on fluids and 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 that kind of stuff. And um, talking to people and their stories of why they're running, or if mm. they've run before and people coming from all over. And, and then you get there, you get dropped off at a, you know, high school outside of town. And um, wow, there's a lot of people, you know, people outside like crazy. We were lucky we had an inside spot to go in the gym. And, yeah. uh, and go hang out there and take bathroom breaks when you need them. And then it's like, all right, here comes your time window. And it, it, it was really uh, the first, you know, I pitched again in 2017 for the Team Canada and the World Baseball Classic, but mm-hmm. I, my heart didn't even get up like it did for this. Like it was almost wow. like a playoff start or something. Just that, you know, when, you're, when you know it's go time, like, all right, here we go. And now we're all walking out to the starting line together and you're just rifling down. You know, they, as they pinion like cattle down to the, down the street and all the people and all the people cheering and, and rooting you on. You got this today and you got this and everybody and you just get up there and it's like, let's go. Like there's no like, you know, it's just you. You're, it's literally like the rodeo. They just get the bull in the cage and then they just open it up and then the next wave goes through and the next wave. And, um, right. and so then you just get going. And I always remember I got a great piece of advice and it did help a lot with start slower than you want. Um, my neighbor, Jason has run the Chicago marathon a bunch of times. And, mm-hmm. um, and he said, just start slow, you know, you'll get there as far as speed, get a good gate going. And, and I did that and I felt really comfortable and really smooth for a while. And, 
yeah so then just got the race going and you just kind of you're running through neighborhoods you're running through people's houses like i think that it's, it's one straight shot basically you know they take you out of town and then you just run back through all these little towns along the way back to right. downtown and um yeah you just kind of take it all in and just trying to tell myself you know grabbing everybody volunteering giving you water and gatorade and bananas and pace and whatever you need gels and um yeah just i don't know i don't think that adrenaline didn't ever wear off like that that really? feeling i had in my stomach i think i pretty much carried it the whole way um you know and and so it was yeah it was a pretty pretty cool morning really quiet you know you got a lot of people on there just nervous i get it being nervous you're going to run 26.2 miles that day so um yeah. but also really excited so one of the things people have told me is like it's the closest that i will ever feel to being a professional athlete that's not true for you but like you said it was it's kind of close like the same you had the same sort of feelings and anxiety and everything rolled up into one right yeah well like if you're any kind of competitive person yeah at all that's cards or pinochle who know you're gonna have this little bit of fire that lights in you like i am not beating the time or i'm not beating a person but you, you get out there and then you got people all around you and you're trying to run and rub elbows and you're you're making your way and you know um it, it is definitely competitive you know i i gotta admit like i i was a little upset that a little bit of that competitiveness i lost in those last five miles but at the same yeah. time I, I really just tried to go and and flip the perspective of, and this, this sucks right now to, nope, I'm going to take this all in. I'm going to read every sign. I'm going to look at everything I can. I'm going to just mm -hmm. take in the energy of all the people. Um, cause the people in Boston lifted us up. They helped us win a world series and they're lifting us up right now. And it just, it was a great way to bond. It was a great way to reflect the, you know, the emotions that I went through from happiness to crying to, um, you know, just appreciation. And, and so as much as I lost on, you know, what I thought of being faster and more time, just gave me a little bit more time to reflect on those things. And for that, sure. man, that's, that's pretty cool right there. And I'm pretty grateful for that. So you kind of touched on it too. Like you don't have anyone necessarily competing against you. Like in your life as a pitcher, every time you competed, there were people trying to hit, you know, 400 foot home runs off of you. Um, were you able to take any of those lessons and apply it like the, the, the mental side of it to, you know, 26.2 miles? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the reality of, you know, pitching is that you, you only can control, uh, three things. Mm -hmm. You select a pitch, you find a location at which you want to throw it. And then it's up to you to execute that pitch. And really, it doesn't matter what the umpire says. It doesn't matter what the hitter does. It doesn't matter it, unless the ball's hit back to you or you got to cover first base. That's yeah. all I can control. And so all the other noise doesn't matter. And, and so it takes a lot of mental strength to do that. You know, mm -hmm. each and every pitch that a guy makes an error behind me and I don't get upset behind that. Now, because I'm upset, I'm not 100% committed to this pitch. And now I make a mistake and I give up the home run. But meanwhile, after the game, I'm like, man, if that guy just would have made that play. Cool. Maybe if yeah. I just would have been a little bit mentally tougher, I could have just made a better pitch to that next hitter and executed that. And so just kind of going through that process my whole career and really mm -hmm. finding out a lot more about that as i got older really helped me in the race because ultimately like our brain is so powerful human beings are, are capable of so many things I and mean, we've heard the stories of people lifting cars and you know right. some somebody's 
trapped underneath it or you know they they go five days out in the woods with no food and find their way back like we are at the core of us we're capable of a lot of things like you know and and so even going through that hamstring like part of me i, I did a couple of times i had to stop and this mm. is from a guy who doesn't like to like ever come off the mound like i just physically right. couldn't do it and I'd stretch and then I'd be like, all right. And I just fight my way through it because that was my only option. Like there's, there's no other option than that. And, and so I, I definitely drew from those experiences as a, as an athlete, as mm-hmm. somebody who, who did that to, to realize how powerful it is. It's easy to shut it off. It's easy to stop and say, I'm done. But at the end of the day, you're capable of way more. Yeah. I probably, well, looking back, I probably could have ran harder through those cramping and I probably would have found out a way. I mean, I might've fallen over, but who knows, <laughs> maybe I would have found some other euphoric place other that, gear, you yeah. know, kind of gets me through that. Well, there's no relief pitcher coming for you that day. So <laughs> no, not at all. Bunch of people cheering me on, you know, and as you're yeah. just almost ready in tears, but that's okay. We got through it. So you were wearing bib 46, 46, which I thought was cool. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people must've recognized you and been cheering your name as well yeah it was great you know a lot of red sox fans and you know people out there cheering you on and you hear your mm-hmm. name hey that's go you know we love you and like go red sox and it was just like it was awesome and um and you know nice to the people at the marathon to do that i never asked for that bib i think brock got 12 12 which is his number and and uh yeah. chara uh, i know chara got 33 33 he ran it um went and dominated Zano Char, of course he did but i always say he was fresh off the ice he's still in perfectly good shape to be able to do that so yeah he's a yeah. machine i mean for, yes and for for being as tall as he is i know like i'm up six foot three six foot four like i i feel like i'm just like a giant out there i don't know how how he felt out there but i guess he wasn't yeah. on skates it wasn't uh, as hard for him he had way fewer strides in the race that's know? right <laughs> so what what advice would you have for a first time uh marathon runner like I've, i'm 40 days out like what what are you thinking here yeah i think you know the best advice i could have is just like stick to your plan that you have um whatever that whatever your plan is because everybody's experience is different everybody's body's different and yeah. uh you know at this point you've you've heard enough from everybody who's giving you advice on what you need to do Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely would say start a little bit slow. Don't yeah. stop. Don't walk for a second. If you can't just keep, even okay. if it's just moving, like if you feel like it, you know, um, I feel like the, the stop and first sec hurt me more than it helped me. So, and, and just take it in, you know, yeah. make eye contact with people along the way. It's hard to do, but, uh, it just, it, it's, a, you know, and be proud of yourself. Just get into the start of the race. I think that's, you know, that's one thing a lot of people you know, wish to do it, to, to follow through and to actually know you're starting the race. Be proud of that moment right there. Be proud of that moment when you, you get past the half marathon, you know, self-reflection in the, in the race is pretty fun because you are not winning it, right? Like, I don't know, the guys who win the race don't have time to do all that stuff. Right. You know, like, they're just too busy floating on air as you watch them. I'm like, are your feet even touching the ground? Like, how do you Suppos- do this? You know? Supposedly, they spend 80% of their time in the air, which is insane. Yeah, I believe it. It looks like, uh, you know, that scene in, in the movie Elf where they're, they're trying to get the Christmas spirit and the and the reindeer are just going and then finally yeah. James Caan starts to sing and then they take off. That's what it's like watching those guys run in the in the league group. It's their, you don't even That's notice their like. feet touch the ground. All right, final question. What is it going to take to get you to run the 2024 Chicago Marathon? Possibly. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. 
it's funny you say that yesterday i was on a long bike ride and uh and i actually thought to myself i wonder if jason would run the marathon with me i know the answer is yes and so yeah i'm on the fence right now so not a lot okay. you know not a lot of convincing um I'm, i might just find myself in another marathon at some point okay well i i look forward to that and maybe if you're in i'll be in but again not making any promises i'll I'll make that judgment maybe on October 9th, October 10th. But um, Absolutely. Well, good luck, man. I know you're going to crush yeah. it. Good job. Cool. I appreciate you joining us, Ryan, here on the CHO Marathon Podcast. And, uh, again, thanks to our good friend Lorraine for uh, setting this up. Yeah, appreciate you making good. time. She's the best. You got so, it. Thanks, Ryan.